1: Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Flagship Podcast. I am Taylor Estes, and as always, I am joined by Horn's 24-7 columnist, Chip Brown, who is actually on location in Kansas City before Big 12 Men's Basketball Tournament kicks off. Before we get into a ton of football talk today, I'm just going to preface this with Chip is not in the most ideal situation for recording this podcast, but with men's basketball tournament going on and then also with texas spring football kicking off we're just going to roll with it so chip how are you doing today
0: hey i'm coming to you live from the bowels of the t-mobile center here in kansas city where as you mentioned the big 12 basketball tournament will get going on uh on wednesday night with the the you know the lower seated teams trying to fight their way Uh, For the right. Well, tech, I mean, Texas will face the winner of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and literally Oklahoma State basketball coach Mike Boynton is about 50 feet from me right now talking (laughs) to reporters. So um, yeah, we're, we're kind of on location for this episode of the flagship podcast. You could hear anything you could hear, you know, people, you know, yelling, screaming, who knows what's going to happen, but we'll just, uh, we'll just make it memorable, Taylor. I know we got a lot of football to cover because we finally got to talk to Steve Sarkeesian as spring football kicked off on Monday.
1: Yeah, for the first time, Texas held their first spring football practice Monday morning. They will have another practice Wednesday morning. um, Probably when you actually listen to this is when it's gonna be going down live. um, And then one Friday before Texas takes spring break. But yeah, Chip, we did talk to Steve Sarkeesian after the spring practice is first time we've talked to him since the December early signing period due to the freeze after the February signing period that led to us not being able to catch up with him before spring football. But there was a lot of things that Sark said. And I think one of the biggest surprises I would say chip that he mentioned after Monday's practice was he alluded to the fact that Xavier Worthy had been dealing with a broken hand for the second half of last season. This caught a lot of people off guard um, when kind of pressed about why this was, you know, kept a secret. Steve Sarkisian got a little snippy back and uh, defensive about it. His whole thing was he, you know, didn't have to tell reporters what was going on with Xavier Worthy, and also didn't want to tip um, opponents off with an injury, but. Chip, we kind of talked after Sark's availability. Um, I think there's questions about how broken his hand was. Was it a broken bone? Was it a fully broken hand? We never saw him in the cast during the season. What was your thoughts in hearing him say that about Xavier Worthy?
0: Yeah, I mean, what it does is um, it provides a little bit of cover for Xavier Worthy for the season he had last year when his numbers across the board took a step back from his record-setting freshman year when he had 62 catches for 981 yards and 12 touchdowns, um, and it also raised expectations, I think, because Steve Sarkeesian said, um, as you mentioned, I, I didn't tell you guys because I didn't want opponents to know, um, and, and he said, you're going to see a whole new savior worthy now that he's healthy, and by saying that, that raises expectations and, and that's, that's exciting for fans. Um, and I've heard really good things about Xavier worthy, how plugged in he is, how, how committed he is, how, um, he's connecting better with teammates. And, you know, I wrote in the insider a few weeks ago that he appears to be treating this like a contract year. I mean, he'll be draft eligible after the 2023 season and, and so all of that is good news for texas fans in the here and now um it is a little you know interesting and to you know kelvin banks had a a broken bone in his hand and played through it um and he's got to grab on to guys and 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 look kudos to xavier worthy steve sarkeesian said he never wanted never was late to a practice never wanted to come out um, is still and has always been one of the first to practice, one of the last to leave. And so Sarkeesian definitely was talking um, favorably by bringing this up about Xavier Worthy's commitment and toughness. And, and I think fans are ready to see uh, a new and improved Xavier Worthy, whether it was because of a hand injury last year or you know whatever it was. They're ready to see um, that Xavier Worthy that they saw their, you know, freshman year and expected him to take a big step as a sophomore. And Taylor, you and I have been talking about how the addition of, of receivers like Ad Mitchell, Isaiah Nayer, um, in addition to the return of Jordan Whittington, should help take some of the defensive focus off of Xavier Worthy uh, as as he heads into this uh, 2023 season.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's that, you know, we've talked a lot at lengths about that. And the, you know, Xavier Worthy was kind of the go-to guy. Steve Sarkeesian was asked after he admitted that Xavier Worthy did was dealing with an a hand injury for the second half of last season. He was asked straight up if he regrets in hindsight, you know, maybe not playing somebody else. And Steve Sarkeesian still said, even with the injury, Xavier Worthy was the best option that they had there. Um, I think a lot of Texas fans are probably Kind of questioning you know how obviously hand injury is going to impact a receiver from catching uh the football, but there was questions about him losing uh the ball, you know, especially downfield, um not really being giving the extra effort. maybe that was related to the injury that he was dealing with. um but there's definitely some progress that he's he needs to show. I mean, this is a guy that for the last two, years after the football season has been the transfer portal threat, right? Is he, is he going to stay or is he going to go? That doesn't matter if you're injured or not, you know, you have to be fully bought in. I think it is promising hearing Steve Sarkisian say that the comments that he made, you know, about Xavier, whether you're going to see a different, you know, quality and talent on the field in 2023 than what you saw last season and his improvement, but you, Still, kind of wonder where he is from a focus standpoint because there has always been kind of questions about that, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at last year, I think there was, there was some frustration uh, with, with Quinn Ewers being a a young quarterback and going through growing pains, and then ironically. And there was a confidence loss. I mean, I don't think Quinn Ewers would even dispute that. Um, and there needs, uh, you know, there probably should have been patience with a young quarterback who's going through the ups and downs. And instead of showing him up, you go tell him, hey, you know, keep going, keep, keep plugging. And then ironically, after the 15 bowl practices, Quinn Ewers was a sharper quarterback and Did deliver on the deep ball and Xavier Worthy uh, struggled and dropped a couple of you know sure touchdowns. So from what I've heard, the relationship with Ewers and Worthy is on point. Those two are connected. Um, They've been working extra. You know Quinn Ewers has been working extra with the uh, the new receivers, AD Mitchell, uh, John Tate Cook, DeAndre Moore, and that they're you know they're getting it together and and so you know, it, it it absolutely has to improve. I mean, Quinn Ewers has to be better, Xavier Worthy has to be better. This offense has to be better. And I thought, you know, while we're on that topic, um, I think Texas fans are going to be relieved to hear that the top priorities of spring for Steve Sarkeesian were all related to the offense. The passing game has to get better. Third down has to get better. And the red zone has to get better. And, and that's, I could not agree more. Um, the defense held up its end of the bargain last year. The offense didn't. And, you know, with players like when yours, Xavier Worthy taking the next step, uh, they're gonna need to because again, you're breaking in a new running game. And uh, it was interesting that Steve Sarkeesian, Taylor talked about the passing game, taking some pressure off the running game. Usually the running game is what takes pressure off the quarterback from having to throw it so much. But, you know, Steve Sarkisian believes so much in his in his passing game. And, and so, you know, he wants the passing game to help take uh, some of the pressure off the running game this fall.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the opposite situation as what Texas had last year. I mean, we talked leading up to the 2022 football season a lot about how, you know, Quinn Ewers didn't have to be, Perfect. He didn't have to play necessarily at an All-American level because he had such a solid running game at his disposal. And like, especially for a young quarterback, one of your best friends is going to be a solid offensive line and a solid running game that you can lean on to take some of the pressure off. Texas had that last year. Um, maybe it wasn't always utilized properly. Maybe there were some games that Sark you know, if you were to talk to him off the record, maybe he'd admit, you know, maybe he should have ran the ball a little bit more and taken the pressure off Quinn Ewers, especially, you know, against Oklahoma State when it was clear he was not himself in that game. Um, I think Sark kind of overlooked his his hand, you know, being slammed in a door, which is what you reported leading up to that game. Um, I think he may maybe didn't give that enough attention and realized that either, you know, play Hudson card or lean more on the running game because when they did rely on it they were still in that game then they went away from it and it just all hell broke loose basically but you know talking about the quarterbacks I imagine if you are listening to this and you're a Texas fan you've seen the headlines of what Steve Sarkeesian quote unquote said right about um the quarterback competition between Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning I feel like we would be doing our listeners a really big disservice, Chip, if we didn't put into context fully what Steve Sarkeesian actually said, what he was asked about the quarterback competition between Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers and just the quarterback room in general. Um, you know, in in the first practice that we were at on Monday, Quinn Ewers was taking the first reps. Arch Manning was taking the second reps. However, Malik Murphy is was not taking reps in practice because he, they're still kind of, you know, um, nursing him back to health from that ankle injury that he had suffered. So Sark had alluded to the fact that if Malik were healthy, he would be taking the second string reps. But obviously what we saw was not that. And then he was asked if the, comp- if the um, quarterback competition is open or if it's Quinn's job and he said, you know, every position right now is open. He's not worried about which guy is going to be on the cover of what magazine next week. He's just more focused on each guy focusing on what they need to do to develop to be the best player they can be. He started off saying Quinn has an entire year of a head start, but I don't want to hold Arch back. I want to see how far he can take this thing and what it can look like. Naturally, national headlines here. He says it's open. And then. Says he doesn't want to hold Arch back and it turns into there's a quarterback battle, quarterback competition, heated battle between Arch and Quinn going on. Do you believe that's the case, or do you think that this is entirely taken out of context?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's Quinn's job, there's no doubt about it. Um, it's and we talked about this uh last week. If if Arch Manning is suddenly in a battle with with Quinn Ewers and something's gone horribly wrong, or either, either. Arch Manning is, you know, a supernova. He's the, just the, you know, the freak, uh, freshman quarterback who, you know, Drake, well, Drake May was a redshirt freshman in North Carolina last year. I mean, it's so rare uh, to, to see a true freshman quarterback come in and and dominate. Now, you know, that being said, Peyton Manning got thrown in as a true freshman at Tennessee, um, but he got thrown in. I mean, there were two quarterbacks ahead of him who got injured. and. The plan is for Quinn Ewers to be the guy this year. The Manning family's okay with that. Arch Manning spends the year learning this offense, developing his relationships in that locker room, um, the way that Quinn Ewers did last year. And then if Quinn Ewers has the kind of year that, that everybody hopes, maybe he's draft eligible. Um, although I'm not rushing that because that last year was a true freshman year Uh, In my mind, because he hadn't played football since, you know, the 2020 season. So I think that you look at this thing and you say it's Quinn Ewer's job. Arch Manning is learning.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's, we had said that all along. I know that offseason headlines can go crazy honestly, because there's nothing else to really talk about a lot of the months in the off season and uh, all eyes seem to always be on Texas quarterback position. And, you know, I think the best, the most attention always is like on the backup quarterback at Texas, because it's always seems to be some sort of off season, you know, drama or hoopla surrounding the quarterback position. I agree. I mean, this is, this is Quinn Ewer's job to lose. And I think Steve, I mean, Steve Sarkisian can't sit there and say, know like this is Quinn's job because you do that you're opening a can of worms for other players on the team to be like well why aren't you saying it's my job when it's clearly my job like a Jalen Ford you know what I mean like it's just it you're you go down the rabbit hole then that can really spiral out of control and cause issues cause issues in the the locker room honestly um and that's the last thing that Steve Sarkeesian wants he's got to say every position's open and if he didn't say that um, I think he's setting himself up for some issues that could happen from players not feeling like they are getting the, the proper acknowledgement maybe from the head coach too.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Sarkeesian's an interesting guy. He doesn't really talk about the injuries. Um, as we were just talking about, remember when Casey Thompson had his thumb injury, he ended up having surgery at the end of that year. Sarkeesian never really talked about that. So Sark's an interesting cat.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one thing that a lot of people wonder, too, in, in the way that he did handle Xavier Worthy's injury, too. I mean, how many people were questioning what what was wrong with Xavier Worthy? I mean, balls were hitting him in the hands, and he couldn't catch the ball. And especially, you know, there there was a number of games, especially later on in the season. I understand why Sark maybe didn't want to tip off opponents about that, What I don't understand is, number one, I feel like he kind of put Xavier Worthy in a position to kind of take the brunt of the blame for what was happening in the passing game or from the receiver's uh, perspective in the passing game in 2022. And then also, I think there's still the question of, well, was he working on, you know, tracking the ball when it's in the air? Because that was an issue. Contested catches, an issue. I mean, it was... And, you know, back-to-back drops in the Alamo Bowl that each one of them could have gone for a touchdown that led to Jatavian Sanders kind of ripping Xavier Worthy on the sideline because he had kind of a nonchalant, oh, whatever type of attitude after he literally dropped surefire touchdown passes. Those are still things that haven't been answered. And I think that telling, you know, talking about his injury doesn't help it. And again, like the injury thing is kind of weird with Sark. Um, he doesn't have to tell us by any means, but I feel like he's kind of let some of his players get a lot of the heat when they have been dealing through injury. And even with Quinn Ewers, again, going back to that Oklahoma state game where he had his hand slammed in a door prior to that game, you know, and he threw the ball what 40 something times against Oklahoma state when the running game was working effectively earlier on. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that we can really talk about. I think though, chip with, with the quarterback, with Malik Murphy, um, it was a little surprising to not see him take a passing rep in practice, though.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's frustrating, and we don't really have a clear answer from Sark about what is it—a reaggravation? Um, because Malik Murphy was running. I mean, he was doing he was doing well. He was throwing well, um, and now he's not. And so, is this a stress fracture? Is this a nagging injury? now that has come, you know, as a result of the ankle injury, um, you know, Steve Sarkisian is not going to tell you any more, um, than he absolutely has to. And that's his, that's his choice. So we just have to wait and, and watch and talk to our sources and find out, you know, what, uh, what, you know, when we can expect Malik Murphy to be back in action because these are really valuable reps for him. Every single practice of of spring is huge for Malik Murphy because he didn't get to take advantage of his, I mean, fully advantage of his early enrollee freshman year because of the, you know, him breaking his ankle in the state championship game that he won um, in December right before he arrived in January uh, as an early enrollee. He obviously had planned to be an early enrollee well before that injury occurred. So, um, that's a setback, that's a setback and Texas needs that quarterback room to develop all the way through. Um, you got Charles Wright in there also as a scholarship, um, quarterback, but it's, it's Quinn Ewers, It's Malik Murphy. It's arch Manning. And right now, arch Manning is making up, um, some ground.
1: Yeah, he is for sure. Um, and, and, you know, Chip and I had talked a number of times on the flagship podcast about the quarterback competition to really watch, not necessarily was Arch Manning in spring ball, it was more Malik Murphy and how his development has gone. I think that him being on the team and as an early enrollee, um, learning the offense, kind of learning what it takes to be the starting quarterback at a place like Texas, you know, the film study that's required, I mean... Let's be honest, him and Quinn were kind of learning that on the fly last year. They didn't have the luxury of what say Casey Thompson had when Sam Ellinger was the quarterback and he was the backup for a number of years at Texas. I mean, Sam was a pro's pro when it came to preparation and film study and that. So Casey Thompson had a kind of a role model of what it's supposed to look like to be QB1. And then he finally got his opportunity to do that you know, Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy were both learning it. You can say what you want about Quinn's time at Ohio State. The reality is, you know, by the time he was actually fully in, he is he was still even learning from, you know, CJ Stroud, and he was learning on the fly. I mean, he's never really had that, like, um, role model. And so now Steve Sarkeesian did talk about Quinn Ewers being in a position now where he is kind of showing, you know, arch manning and the rest of the quarterback room what it takes to be preparing he was also asked about his haircut if that's a sign of maturity now that he's gotten rid of that mullet and cleaned up his beard steve sarkisian said you know perception a lot of times often becomes reality and that's why people are making a bigger deal probably of a haircut but he does feel that when Ewers, from a maturity standpoint and knowing what is expected now after a full year of college football a full year of being um, the starter at Texas, what it takes. And I think from everything, you know, walking away from what Steve Sarkisian said Monday, I thought he, regardless of whatever headlines were, I felt like he had pretty glowing results or, um, you know, remarks to say about Quinn Ewer's development and maturity off the field so far.
0: Yeah, and I think... I think the the topic of leadership is an interesting one, because when you look at the names that Steve Sarkeesian brought up, um, you know, Tavondre Sweat um, is is the name that just jumps out at me because, you know, remember two years ago, he was a guy who was so frustrated with all the changes of defensive coordinators. You know, he, he had three different defensive coordinators in three years, and I think when um, when the Steve Sarkeesian regime came in, I think he was frustrated and it was kind of evident in, in his play in, in 2021. Well, his play got a lot better last year and everything, you know, every indication is that the guy's getting ready. You know, he's, he's treating this like a contract year. Um, Steve Sarkeesian's brought him up a couple times as a key leader, uh, and, We know about Jaron Thompson and Jalen Ford, but Tavondre Sweat is a guy that they need to be a dog and be a a big voice and a guy who holds people accountable, especially on that defensive line. Um, You know, Steve Sarkeesian also brought up Baron Sorrell. Um, Byron Murphy is a lead-by-example guy. Uh, But he also, you know, on offense, he mentioned Jordan Whittington, Christian Jones, um, and Jake, Jake majors. majors on the offensive line um, and Xavier Worthy. And so, you know, Xavier Worthy, look, that's great news. You know, you, you hope it's, it's a complete, um, you know, renewed energy in, in Xavier Worthy. But Tavondre Sweat, after losing Moro Ojimo and Keandre Coburn, uh, that was a big name for me among those yeah. players.
1: I totally agree. And I kind of feel like with Byron Murphy, it's almost similar. He kind of, in a way, kind of reminds me a little bit more of Puna Ford, the guy that's just going to play his, you know, what off, but probably isn't going to say much, whether it's to his teammates, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's to the media. (laughs) Like, I mean, I, I loved Puna Ford, but man, they'd bring him out for interviews and we'd be like, oh, Puna, like, you know, because he, but he didn't, that wasn't him. You know, that wasn't his personality. I kind of feel like Byron Murphy is a similar one like that, too. Um, But, you know, it was interesting to hear Xavier Worthy being mentioned in that group, um, especially considering, you know, he had a a pretty, um, I wouldn't say embarrassing, but like him getting ripped on the sidelines of the Alamo Bowl by Jatavian Sanders, who also has, really become a leader he was a guy that started developing and became a leader at as the 2022 season um you know progressed and he was a guy that felt he could step up and say something to worthy when he didn't like his attitude when he came off the field after he had two drop passes um you know i would hope if you're a xavier worthy you took that as a lesson of oh my gosh like if if I really want to be as good as I want to be, I need to have a better attitude. And I want to see that though on the field chip. I want to see him show more, um, not effort. I don't want to say that because I'm not saying that he doesn't give effort, but accountability maybe. You know, I feel like Xavier Worthy was always very quick to talk about his performances after, you know, in post game, even after losses as a true freshman. Um, and then when he started struggling, they would never bring him out for post game interviews. In 2022, if he didn't have a very good game, and at some point you have to take some accountability. You know, Quinn Ewers always had to face the media after games, good or bad. Um, if you're going to really be a leader, you need to be able to face the questioning and stuff of the public, especially if you're an upperclassman. Um, if whether it's good, bad, or indifferent type of performances, in my opinion, maybe I'm off base. I don't know.
0: No, i I, I think you're I think you're right on the money, um, and. I also have some people circling me here. I think they want to kick me out of the uh, T-Mobile Center. Um, You ready to get to some Love It or Leave It?
1: I am. Before we get to Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a really quick break. But stay tuned. We have plenty more football talk coming up. We'll be right back. All right, Chip, first love it or leave it for you is, love it or leave it, Xavier Worthy playing much of last season with a broken bone in his hand changes your opinion of his 2022 season.
0: I'm only gonna love this if he's fantastic in 2023. Um, You know, because if, if he's, if you're well enough to play, then you're expected to perform. And, and so if he has an outstanding 2023, I will I will love this. I will say, okay, yeah, that hand injury must have really been bothering him. Otherwise, I'm going to leave it. How about you, Taylor?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat, so I guess that means I'm, I'm going to leave it. Um, and mainly it was just a lot of times questioning what what he was doing like you know not really making the extra effort i mean there was a number of drop balls well before midway through the 2022 season that i bet he would like to have back and according to sark it was in the second half of the year so you know texas tech there's a number of i bet plays he would want to have back i mean his reception um percentage for targeted passes went from 60.2 as a true freshman to 52.2 as a sophomore, obviously having a true—well, a redshirt freshman, we'll say—but basically a true freshman quarterback probably also added to that. But still, I mean, you know, catching only thirty-eight point five percent of contested catches when a lot of those were, um, you know, in the in the first half of the year—that that's definitely something that is hard to kind of shake. So I agree. Like, I I think there are reasons why it did impact him and that's fair and it would be unfair for us to say that it didn't have any impact on him but i agree with you like you you were well enough to play so you're expected to play and you're expected to play at an elite level when you're at a place like the university of texas and you're coming off of a all-american freshman season so um yeah i would like to see it though like we can say you can say whatever you want star can say whatever he wants about xavier worthy right now but there was just a number of times where it looked like he had a little bit of an attitude. I think the other thing too is kind of the the transfer portal hoopla seems to be like an annual thing with him. I think that doesn't help the case. I think it kind of makes it look worse and people are less um willing to give him a pass a little bit even if he did have a broken hand or a broken bone in his hand last season just because there's been so much other noise that seems around him. So I'm going to leave it um not cuz I don't I'm dismissing the broken bone, I'm going to leave it because I need to see a a substantial leap in development and progress, attitude, focus, everything um, in his junior season, as what you said is what he's considering a quote-unquote contract year.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, love it or leave it, number two.
1: All right, second one is love it or leave it. You were relieved to hear all of Steve Sarkisian's top priorities for the spring involved improving the offense, passing game, third down, and red zone.
0: Yes, I love this. I love this with a full bear hug <laughs> uh, because it it really it really was the offense that held this this team back. And um, and I get it. You know, you're gonna look back at the losses. You're gonna look back at TCU for sure. The offense was a no show. Um, some questionable play, you know, play selection first and goal from the two first and goal from the five Bijan Robinson doesn't get a touch. Um, but yes, the offense was inconsistent at best the passing game. We know why. So yes, improving the passing game, improving third down, improving the red zone. Um, I am 100% on board. Good for Steve Sarkisian to be self aware and And to make those the top priorities. I am loving this. Taylor, how about you?
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And I I think it's what you said is spot on. I mean, this is a self awareness that Steve Sarkeesian is taking accountability for. You know, he may not have said it during games last season all the time, but I think that him admitting that these are some of the faults that led to some of the losses in 2022. And and now they're a priority for him to fix in 2023. I mean, it all falls on him. You know, he talks about he's always called plays. He's always, you know, on any level of football, whether he's head coach, offense coordinator, he's always been the play caller. And so it falls on him when the offense is holding back the defense. And honestly, last season, you know, I know that there have been some people that keep pointing back to Texas Tech, keep pointing back to Oklahoma State, saying the defense, you know, wore down as the game wore on and they weren't playing as well as they were in the first half well a big component or proponent of it honestly is the fact that offense couldn't stay on the field on third downs they couldn't you know they could not move the chains consistently as games wore on um whether it was play calling whether it was personnel whether whatever it was it all falls on sark so i am definitely gonna love it i i like that he took accountability Um, for some of those issues because they were really detrimental to the success of the team last season
0: all right love it or leave it number three
1: all right the final one is love it or leave it steve sarkisian all has always had a 1000 yard rusher when he's been calling an offense in college football that streak will continue in 2023 love it or leave it
0: man this is this is interesting um I'm, you know what, I'm going to give them the, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think there's talent in the room. I, you and I talked about this last week. It could be a combo. You know, it could be, you know, one guy with 800 and something yards rushing, another guy with 700 something yards rushing or 800 yards rushing for a combo of 1600 yards rushing. But look, you've got some talented dudes In that room, when Jonathan Brooks gets back, I think he's special Uh, Jaden blues getting rave reviews and so is Cedric Baxter Jr who was the number one running back in the country in the 2023 recruiting class. So I'm going to I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's close Taylor to me leaving this, but he has been steadfast about running the football. He has had 1000 yard rushers. I will give him the benefit of the doubt and to choice, the benefit of the doubt because Tashard choice has been doing a great job on the field, off the field in recruiting. Um, I'm not going to doubt uh, T choice right now at this point. How about you, Taylor?
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to love it. I mean, there's a lot of reason to leave it, as you had said, you know, but I think at the end of the day, Sark has shown this time and again, that he will find a way to get a thousand yard rusher. If he's the offensive play caller and in college football, his track record, he's, he pointed to it on Mondays, talked about that. He's never not had a thousand yard rusher and, you know, he's been calling offenses for a lot of years. I mean, you know, he called, he um, was whether it's a head coach, a coordinator, anything like that. So I'm not gonna go against his uh, track record. At this point, I think Texas has a lot of talent, as you had said, in the running back room. It's not easy to replace the production that B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson brought to the offense last season. Um, there's like that, that would, uh, we would be dumb if we said, oh yeah, they're just going to pick up where they left off. No, those are two very, very special running backs and uh, were a luxury that Texas had at their disposal. Now there's a lot of young talent and maybe unproven, but I think the combination of Sark um, you know, always having the 1,000-yard rusher. And also, as you mentioned, Tashard Choice, he's really been um, instrumental, you know, from not just from, like, developing uh, even Bijan Robinson, you know, like him being such a better pass protector in, in blocking last season. That was something that Tashard Choice really kind of put an emphasis on because it's hard to put an emphasis on his running style because he's so good. But, you know, he's even like some of the elite of the elite, he still has found ways to develop, on the field um and you know cedric baxter jr had a great relationship with him he's a huge reason why he ended up at texas was to shard choice so um the combination of those two uh choice getting i think he was one that got a contract extension i believe um this offseason. i could be off on that i don't have it in front of me but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna uh love it and i'm gonna give them both the benefit of the doubt here
0: yeah, no, that's uh, it's good stuff. And real quick, before they throw me out of the T-Mobile Center, uh, I did report this morning that uh, Tori Becton has a job offer from the NFL. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, he's got four kids. I think if, if Texas could, you know, bring him up a little bit, he'd probably stay, but who knows um, how we'll have to, you know, Everyone needs to stay tuned at horns247.com uh, to get the latest on that. Obviously, Tory Becton um, is is seen as a, a guy who's done a nice job with this team. You know, the soft tissue injuries have have gone away, um, and you know he's seen as a guy who really uh, connects with players, gets the gets the best out of them in terms of their um, you know strength and conditioning performance. So um one little last nugget there and yeah
1: and that would be a huge loss like you know as i think a lot of the generic fans don't really consider the strength and conditioning the the head coach for strength and conditioning as really as instrumental as they really are i mean i think aside from the football head coach the second most important position on a college football staff is the strength and conditioning coach because that him and his team are the only ones that are allowed to be with the team all year round, whether it, you know, even when coaches aren't allowed to be around the players, those coaches are allowed. They're not only, you know, in charge of developing players' bodies and, you know, teaching them techniques to help them avoid injury. They also are the ones that are in charge of maintaining the culture inside the locker room among the team when the coaching staff is not able to be around the team. And I think Tory Becton, when I mean, we talked about this earlier, you know, I thought him and his staff were kind of the unsung heroes of 2022. Look at the, look at what Jordan Whittington finally was able to do, have a full healthy season, didn't have some of the the strains or issues that he had had in the past. And I think that's a huge credit for Tory Becton. So if, you know, um, Steve Sarkeesian's got to do whatever they can to uh, keep him on, because I think that he is a major key to the the success puzzle for Texas and having to replace the second most important coach on the staff is not good especially if you're already into spring football it's going to be hard to find somebody that could um be you know just step in and take over from where Tory Becton has brought this team so this is this is a I think should be priority number one for Sark to make sure that they can hold on to Tory Becton and that staff because they deserve a ton of credit for the the progress that was shown last season.
0: Yeah, and Tory Tory Becton just had his contract extended through February of 2025, but did not receive a raise. Yeah. Now he makes some nice coin. He makes 550 thousand dollars a year, but um, but as compared said, to
1: like Oklahoma State's right. football straight, that guy makes a million dollars a year. Right. And Georgia's so- makes 800 something. You know, I mean, there's right. a lot of yeah. It's and, might be time to pay the guy. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he is your culture coach in a lot of ways, so. Um, we'll we'll have you up to date and informed on that situation over at horns247.com. Taylor, everybody, thanks for your patience for me uh recording here in the tunnel of the T Mobile Center. They're trying to move all these tables around me, but um uh I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off, Taylor. Thanks so much for for everything and to all the listeners.
1: Yeah, so uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. Tap the bell for notifications. Also, be sure to subscribe to Horns 24-7 for all of the latest intel coming out of spring practice. Uh, For Chip Brown, I am Taylor Esses. We'll talk to you guys later.
0: What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday. Get ready for the movie event with the
1: greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Haley Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell.
0: I need to throw up or I need a snack.
1: It's one of the two. Gross. If. ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.